I sure ask a lot of questions, and we'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make the show? Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV Podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Got another episode of Meet the Author. Uh, we've been having quite a few authors on lately. I'm enjoying it. I hope you are, too. Uh, getting a lot of good response from a bunch of different authors uh, and different perspectives that we we're getting from different authors who approach writing differently. So if you're an aspiring author out there, there's always something to learn here just about every day on this program. Um, on that note, I keep threatening to slow down a little bit. Uh, you know, as you know, if you follow the program, I do two shows a day, currently seven days a week and uh, booked up into January now. And actually uh, quite a few bookings deep into February, March, and April, uh, and uh, hooked up with a couple of new uh, literary agents and uh, PR people who are threatening to send hundreds of new authors my way, which is a good thing. <laughs> it is a threat because at some point I do need to slow down and take a few days off here and there. Of course, I had a day off this week on Thanksgiving. I hope you had a, a lovely holiday and uh, had a lot to be thankful for. Uh, we're going to meet our author of this episode uh, in just a minute. But first, I want to talk a little bit about my sponsors. And uh, we have a couple of them tonight. MyBookie.com is one of them. MyBookie. Uh, MyBookie's casino options are as plentiful as its sports books. There are 27 different table games, such as blackjack and roulette, and almost 300 unique slot options, 77 of which are 3D. You can even play live table games and video poker. MyBookie.com is the most popular trusted brand in the online gambling community. Its sports books offer an incredible variety of sports from American staples such as football and basketball to international sports such as KBO, rugby, and cricket. It even offers wagers on entertainment and politics and simulated sports uh, video games such as Madden 21 and NBA 2K21. If you're looking for a line on your favorite TV show, you can most certainly find it at mybookie.com. To get started, you just go to mybookie.com. But here's the deal. Put in the promo code MINDDOG, and you're going to get a special match deposit offer. What do I mean by a special match deposit offer? Uh, well, turns out they will match your deposit. You want to say you want to gamble with, $10. We'll just say $10 for uh, the sake of coming up with a nice round number. It will instantly become $20 to, of which to play with. Uh, and that goes straight up to $1,000. So if you're a, a high roller and, and want to really play a lot, uh, deposit $1,000, it instantly becomes $2,000. Great offer there. No other place in the world where you can actually put in money and it automatically doubles just like that. Uh, MyBookie.com, use the promo code mind dog i do appreciate you patronizing my sponsors and tonight we also have funwise capital you know about funwise capital they're a business lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed you can apply online in 60 seconds or less and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get i'm just noticing see that shadow going back there on the guitar when i put my hand up like that Got to do something about the lighting in here. Uh, <laughs> use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business get the best funding you can qualify for. And if you notice, I just did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business, but you got a solid business plan, and I don't mean just an idea, like I, I want to start a business. You got to have a solid business plan. Sit down with an accountant, marketing director, get your plans documented. They can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on the income, short-term gap funding, bridge loans, all that kind of stuff, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, they work with real estate startups, as I mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started with them, just go to apply.funwise.com slash mind dog. Apply.funwise.com 
that's my dog. Uh, the links will all be in the, script, the description as always. And I just, uh, and this is important, I was just notified before the program today for uh, 314 episodes. I've been saying the links are in the description. The links are in the description. Well, it turns out that's only on YouTube and the several uh, Facebook channels where this appears. And there are several Facebook channels where this appears. But on all the other places where this streams to live, uh, not so much. <laughs> but it, it for the audio podcast, it's always in the description there. But the places it's not is Twitch and LinkedIn and um, uh, Twitter and the Periscope feed and uh, Discord and all those other services. You're not so if you hear me saying the links are in the description and then you're looking and saying, wait, I don't see any links. Uh, you'll find them at find the audio podcast. Just go to minddogtv.com uh, on the podcast page and you will see the links in the descriptions of the individual episodes there. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've been confusing people for 314 episodes. Maybe we'll get that straightened out. So, or you can just join us on one of the real, uh, the more popular networks like Facebook or YouTube and everything will be copacetic. Uh, so that's my little rant for tonight on the sponsors. I do hope you, uh, um, patronize our sponsors and uh the authors and 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 people we have on the show too their links will also be in the description let's get on to the show uh katja reed is a highly creative multi-artist with a diverse ability and background in the arts her first novel the foretold storybook one part one is uh from a four-part uh, series released in april of 2020 it took her 19 years to write the book which is uh very different from a lot of the authors we've been speaking to lately uh and she started at age nine just age nine which is also very different from some of the stories we've been hearing lately ladies and gentlemen without further ado please open your ears open your mind and help me welcome in katja reed to the mind dog tv podcast katja welcome hi uh, <laughs> So, so uh, it's great. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you here. Um, where are you from? Are you a New Yorker? Um. Well, I was born in New York. Oh, uh, where, where, where are you now? I'd rather keep it confidential. Oh, well, okay. We're not. I promise, we're not going to play Battleship and try and bomb you. I was just kind of <laughs> get, getting like a, a general area, of United States. <laughs> are you? In the, are you Okay, that's that's enough. So you're bracing for a snowstorm. I'm on the East Coast, too. We're supposed to get snow tomorrow. Um, so thank you for coming. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, your story's a little different from a lot of authors that we've been having on lately. Lately, I've been talking to authors who... Uh, discovered they wanted to be authors later later in life after 40 a couple of them uh you knew right right from you nine years old how how did that come to you as a nine-year-old girl what what was the light bulb that went off and said i'm going to be an author <laughs> well i've always had it in me since i was a young child i would draw and write about my days and create all kinds of art um and when i was nine just conceived this really amazing idea which kind of went along with my unusual life events, which kind of helped uh, draw inspiration for me creating it. Um, and then from there, I just kept uh, bursting it throughout the years. And as life happened, I would create the story. And it grew into something far more uh, bigger than what I ever dreamed it could be. Um, so the story, the story again, uh, the, the book is called The Foretold Story Book One, Part One. Uh, and it's a four-part series. Were you, did you intensely do it as a four-part series, or it just became so big that you had to separate it? I had to separate it. It was too big. And the largest story is separated into a motion picture uh, movie script, a package of four movies. Uh, did you write it as a script or you wrote it as a novel? The novel I have here for the foursome story. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, and then the larger story is titled Gordon's Quest. That is in the form, again, of movie, motion picture movie script, as well as a concept vision board and uh, concept vision board website. <laughs> That wow. demonstrates the potential of what it can be. Gotcha. So have have you worked in the film industry 
at, at all to, to be able to have the uh, uh, skill and knowledge to be, because I've talked to authors. Every every author wants their, their book to end up a movie, but the idea of screenplays and storyboards, vision boards, and those kind of things are a little intimidating to somebody uh, or to a lot of people I talk to. Uh, have you worked in film? Um, I did a little bit, like a little bit. I got to go on some sets and see how they run things. I also learned a lot from reading many books. I also observed lots of movies, analyzing and studying them, not just limited to movies, but also video games and comic books, anything I can get my hands on. Wow. Um, so, so you seem like a very happy person cause you're smiling a lot. <laughs> are you, are you, are, are you as happy as you look or and appear to be? <laughs> I am very grateful. <laughs> well, gratitude is important. Don't you think? Gratitude yeah. to, to, to happiness in life. So, um, as often what I have people from all, all walks of life in the arts and I know you're you're involved in other things other than writing what kind of other uh, creative pursuits are you involved in? Well I like do graphic design work which is fun. I also uh, have a lot of my own personal projects uh, like animated shorts coming and really cool other stories that I have yet to tell that are top secret at the moment. Oh, top secret. Are you worried about the CIA might be listening? No, it's not that. It's just, <laughs> you know, not like that at all. It's just hearing people steal people's ideas and hard work, you know? They don't uh, want to stop being creatively lazy and actually make their own stuff. So right, you really have to be careful. I, I understand that. Believe me, from all walks of life, we, we talk to, uh, you know, again, I talk to all kinds of creatives, people in the music industry, but particularly people in, uh, in music industry, you can protect yourself. In the literary literary arts, you can protect yourself with a lot of things, copyright and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, people who are most upset about it these days are comedians with joke thieves because comedians have no... They have no recourse, no way to protect themselves from that. Like you can't copyright a joke. <laughs> so, but if it's unique enough, you can. You, you know, it, it, it like a right? But it, you have to do it word for word. And so, if somebody can just change a word in a joke, it changes the. You know, it, it's an it's an out on that. But I've so I've mentioned that too. That it is possible. It, yeah, you know, <laughs> it is you possible. You have to really think about it. Right. Um. One of the things I talk to, I know musicians in particular, hate uh, being put in a box and saying, but the idea when, when somebody comes up to see a musician, they, the first question is always, what kind of music do you play? And so they have to kind of describe it. Uh, so I'm going to put you in that corner. What kind of book is it? What kind of uh, genre does this story fall into? It is a multi-genre cinematic Sci-fi fantasy. Sci-fi fantasy is where I was going with this. Uh, okay, so um, and but it does take place in New York City. Yes, a future New York City, though. And as the book series goes, the technology grows with it. Wow! So you're a futurist. Yeah, uh, you have to have. I a love, yeah, I love the future. <laughs> do, do you make any bold predictions about the future in 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 the book? I do. I. I mean, I think I would, anyways. I do. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. If you know, if you think you do, then you do. I think. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah. Well. You know what? Some of the greatest um, innovations in, in technology and in in the world have been foretold in in science fiction that became science reality eventually. Mm -hmm. uh, were you a big uh, student of science? Did you st did you study uh, technology and stuff in order to uh, kind of get a, a grip a grip on what might be coming down the road? Yeah, I I love technology, so I'm always looking at futuristic magazines and movies. But not just that; I also dream about many things too. What was that part? Dream about many things. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you write from dreams, uh, you, or or your ideas come in from dreams? Yes, some of them do. Wow, that that's night and day. That's a, that's a little unusual. That's the first time I've heard that from an author. Usually, they're more 
plotters and and stri- strategy stri- stri- strategical i guess it's <laughs> the word i'm looking for uh it, that's unusual so talk to me about character development and uh, and and you know what your process is uh, do you when you when you're creating characters for a, a fictional novel do you base do you base them on people that you know people in your life or is it completely from your imagination you're making uh people up as you go along well, as any artist does, we always draw from the inspiration of life and the people we meet along the way, which kind of helps to inspire our work. So for me, yes, some characters are inspired by the people that I've encountered in life. I mean, I've encountered some very unusual, different people. It's so amazing. So yeah, and it just kind of inspired me to write more. And then some of it was, again, from my dreams and my adventures there. And just from all over, I guess. And some uh, of it, of course, is a metaphor for whatever I wish to say. Oh, wow. that That's an interesting uh, statement there. So when the process, though, when, you, when you're working on a book, do you have all the characters uh, in line before you start writing? Is that how it works? It just comes. It just comes. Really, mm-hmm. I, I you know that's unusual because I talk to a lot of authors lately, especially, and they take a lot of meticulous time in developing characters to the point where I'm going to get, I'm going to you know figure out, even though it's not part of the story, I'm going to uh, kind of create the back history of this character. So, kind of who who he or she is from the time they were young people and, and how they developed and how they became who they are. You don't you don't do any of that kind of uh, planning and plotting? I mean, to some degree, I do a little bit, but most of it just comes together on its own, not rather than me trying to control it and plan it, but rather just letting it flow naturally, and then all the past elements of their character history also falls into place naturally in the equation. I think a a lot of uh, aspiring artists hearing you say that are, uh, or even uh, very successful artists who, who've written many books hear you say that and they get a little bit jealous because it, it seems like that that's a little that's a little easy. You can just sit down and make it happen where most of them have to kind of really do a lot of research, torture themselves and beat themselves up to get the blank page not to stare back at them. <laughs> the hardest thing you can do is be jealous of anybody. That's when I say that. <laughs> You don't know the price people pay for for what they have, so never ever be jealous. I I agree with that 100%. You know, that's part of... Part of the reason I started this podcast was uh, originally I started to create a movie, a documentary on somebody Mm -hmm. who who told me I was living the dream. I I was a musician, right? I'm buying an amplifier off a guy and we got to talking and he asked me what I did. And I said, I played in a band. He said, oh, you're living the dream. And I laughed in his face and I didn't mean to do it to be rude. I was just shocked by the moment. And I said, you don't, you don't know me. I'm not rich and famous. And you know, you don't know the life I live to, to play four hours a night on stage takes 16 yeah. hours of work a lot of time and sacrifices that people don't see. And so I started to do a documentary on it and just kind of let people know there is a price and lots of sacrifices yeah. to be paid for everything that you do when you're pursuing a dream. Um, so, so what, uh, what is, uh, the toll it's taken on you? I, you seem like a a pretty young person, so I, I can't imagine that, that, you know, uh, there's any too much to be bitter about in such a short time. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've lived a thousand lives. (laughs) Well, I mean, not a thousand lives, but I've lived through a lot. (laughs) Right. I, I imagine from the time. Uh, you were nine years old when you started to kind of conceive this book. Uh, a lot has changed in the world, that, especially if, if there's some sci-fi stuff involved in technology. And a lot of that has kind of uh, changed in it quickly and changed your, uh, your whole um, uh, approach to writing the book. Is it, yes? Mm, could you elaborate on what you mean? 
Well, well, like some of the te- technology that might have changed might have changed your ideas about what's possible in the future and and uh, in and what is already available. So you might have been kind of conceiving something that was different. Let's say you started before there were uh, the cell phone generation or or the iPad gen- or tablet generation and all that stuff, uh, and then that came along. That might change the way uh, you would kind of write the book about that piece of technology being in your um in your story yes <laughs> oh, of course I yeah mean, you gotta upgrade the stuff <laughs> well not always some people you know they stick they conceive a story and i know of, of several people who've just you know uh started a piece of of creation whatever it is whether it was a book or music and then as time changed and circumstances change uh you would think they'd have to adapt but no they just stuck to their guns and put out the original story as it came to them before all those changes started happening it's just an interesting way uh of approaching yeah. that hold up hold up that cover again hold oh, up the book. yeah yeah i want to see if i can do this go ahead there you go Okay, it's called the foretold story. Now, I, I want to ask you about that um, because um, this is kind of important. When you're writing a book uh, and you want it to be successful, part of it you have to envision the cover, right? Uh, but marketing the book and following up and making sure it's a success, you know, the old cliche is you can't judge a book by its cover. But we all we all do we all do we we if you see a book whether it's online or in a bookstore which what's a bookstore they sell books um but it it's a cover that makes you pick it up how involved are you in that cover design so being a graphic artist did you design design it yourself I did <laughs> you did I did and and how 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 much time and and thought went into that I did it in about like. Five hours. Five hours. Yeah. Uh, conceptually and on everything. I mean, you didn't think about it <laughs> for, from from nine years old and until the time you, you not the book cover because I didn't know it would be a book. It you did. Oh, oh you, you. So when you started writing, you didn't know you were writing a book. You just thought you were like keeping a journal or something. I just thought I was writing a story that I wanted to hear. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I just. I just didn't know it would turn out like this. Or any of what I do would turn out the way it did. It just, that's the beauty of it. <laughs> you know, you, you uh, remind me a little bit of the um, the feather <laughs> the feather in Forrest Gump. You, you know, that the part about, because it starts with the feather on the breeze, just riding, riding the breeze wherever it takes it, and it ends the same way, that same feather still riding on a breeze. Uh, <laughs> is, is that what, how you approach your art? Is kind of, you know, I'll just wait and see what the day presents me and go from there? Yeah, I just do it. I mean, when I approach art, well, anything I do, well, I guess, what drives me is the importance of making your mark, no matter how big or small, and, and just doing or doing whatever God put in your spirit to do. Like, you got all these wonderful ideas. It'd be mighty selfish of you to withhold it and, and not to express it and put it out there. So I just, I just do it because I want to leave something. Just do it. I get that. You know, I think um, a lot of people are unhappy and don't and don't have any sense of legacy. I don't want, you know, they don't think about, you know, what is the meaning of my life? What's the purpose of my life? And, you know, what am I here for? And so when you think of, when you think about legacy, that's what that's all about. It's really, you, you, you know, leaving a mark, something to tell the world I was here for whatever, however many years God gives you. Uh, I don't think a lot of people think about that. Did, did you have a, um, a spiritual upbringing, like a, a faith-based, faith-based <laughs> upbringing? Um, well, yes, but I can say that I've experienced I've experienced a lot of amazing out of this world kind of things. So for me, it's like God isn't really like a religion; it's more of an experience. It's just it's a relationship that happens. Right? Uh, you know, there's more. <laughs> I get that too. I mean, there's more, and more and more. Like, um, you know, a lot of people when you say the word God, shy away from it in today's world. Or you know, well 
on this show, people use words like the universe or higher power. Oh, uh, yeah. um, but because the word God creates this um, image of the old man in the cloud, the grandfather image in the, in the clouds, the old man who lives in the sky type of thing. And I, that, I think that turns a lot of people off. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think it's necessarily a religious point of view, but I do, I do agree with you. It's an experiential point of view. And uh, knowing that there is something uh, bigger than us is an important kind of, uh, for a lot of artists to kind of hold on to, like, without that, would you have a purpose and would you have uh, creativity in your life? Mm -mm. My creativity <laughs> comes from him. It's the same way. Like, you know, we this book, I wrote this book, and the book can't say, like, it wrote itself because I'm the one who wrote it. I wrote its beginning, middle, and end. Right. So within the universe of this book, these characters might, you know, think, like, let's just say I'm God. Metaphorically speaking, this book isn't real or anything. I, I get it. It's like, they're like, hey, there's no such thing as a writer. And it's like, yeah, there is a such thing. Whether you want to believe it or not, I still wrote it. So there you go. <laughs> good, good explanation. I like that. Uh, it, it, looks, it looks like a pretty thick book. How many pages is it? This one is 418. Oh, it looks like more than that. I was going to say it's pretty thick. So, yeah, it is a pretty thick book. Uh, how long a read is it, would you guess? Like, you know, if somebody, if is it something people could read in a couple of days if they? I would say, yeah. I mean, people who have read it tell me that it's hard to put down and they get hooked and sucked into the story. So it's like it becomes a quicker read. Yeah, I guess it, it depends on the reader. Yeah, I know. How much time someone has to sit and read, you know what I mean? Right. Well, on book club, there are a lot, you know, booktube. There are a lot of people who are uh, dedicated to the idea of getting a book and reading it in one sitting. Uh, and so, a book like that might in intimidate them because you know that looks like a at least a day, <laughs> a day investment <laughs> or more. You know, straight through 25, 25, 26, 27 hours of reading straight through. Um, might might be that much. Uh, so, have you started the uh, other books in the series yet? Have you written them? Where where are you with that? Yeah, they're done. They just have to be edited. So the next one is in editing right now. That should be out hopefully this December month. <laughs> so uh, December is like two days from now. Yeah, December. Right. I can't believe it's December is. Uh, yeah, it's Tuesday, right? December first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't. I can't believe this year is flying by. The good part about that is uh, twenty twenty is almost over. The bad news is not really going to change anything. <laughs> uh, when the count, you know, the months change and, and nothing seems to change all that dramatically. Why would we always assume that when the year number changes, things are going to be different? 20, 2021 is just going to be an extension of the time we're living in now. Uh, it's just the, the number will change at the end. That's all. Well, it depends on how you think and what you do. Oh, uh, obviously, yeah. The same way of thinking, it's never going to change. It's oh, I don't know. I don't think it's never going to change. I, I mean, from day to day, uh, from December 31st, uh, 2020 to January 1st, 2021. Oh, right. Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah, oh. just another day. <laughs> it's just another day. Exactly. A measure of time. That's all. <laughs> right. So uh, you mentioned editing. Now, are you self-publishing these books or are you working with a, a, an established publisher? Um, they are being self-published with the uh, help of a company, a publishing company called eBook Time. I highly recommend them. <laughs> okay, well, we'll high re highly recommend them too. Thank you for that. So, uh, was it a challenge uh, going through the whole process of self-publishing? Because uh, we have a lot of uh, aspiring uh, authors out there, and a lot of them are intimidated by that whole process, making sure everything is. Uh, spec-wise, uh, you know, margins and all that kind of stuff are new to people self-publishing. Was that a uh, a challenge for you or not? No. I mean, again, you just read books or ask a lot of questions. If you don't know how something is done, you go make it your business to learn how it's done. Right. Uh, so, and you mentioned editing. Do, are you working with a professional editor or are you uh, kind of, 
who's who's doing the editing? <laughs> this is a question. Boy, you're asking a lot of questions. Well, that's what a <laughs> podcast host does. You're, you're being interviewed, dear. I mean, come on. <laughs> of course I'm going to answer. <laughs> I've got a circulation of uh, two wonderful people that assist with the editing. <laughs> Okay. Well, because it came up today, I had another author on, and we talked about uh, ed- editing in the process of that. And he he uh, said to me, a lot of people skimp on editing uh, because, or whatever, you know, the cost of having a, a professional editor and, you know, somebody who's been in the publishing game for a long time and knows the book, have, they're, they can be quite expensive. But he said it's worth it to spend more on getting the best editor you can get rather than and trying to cut corners on editing because uh, the product is is you and you're putting your name on it and you want it to be the absolute best it can and readers will appreciate uh, the, the end end result. So, um, have you do you hear a lot of ba- back from? Have you gotten a lot of feedback from the book and from people who've read it and given you reviews and contacted you? Yeah, the reviews are kind of all over the place, but collectively together, it's either been between four to five stars. Nothing left. I'm very grateful <laughs> <laughs> for a first-time book. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, it definitely is pretty good. And getting engagement uh, and getting people to leave a review at all is difficult. I know a lot of authors struggle with that. Uh, do you do anything in, in particular to encourage that or, or not? <laughs> Well, you've got to be your greatest advocate for your work. You have to believe in it enough, and you have to be persistent. You can't give up. Just because, like, um, you don't see a harvest right away, you're, you're planting and planning ahead. So that by the time the harvest does come and the crops start sprouting, you know, it's because you were scattering all these seeds and you're spreading the word and you're letting it saturate, see what happens. You, you you love metaphors, don't you? Yeah, I do. I know you do. <laughs> I, I know you do. Uh, uh, so, are you active on social media? I mean, how much time, how much time and energy do you put in marketing your first book? A lot. I mean, ooh, it's a humbling process. It I is very, very humbling. <laughs> I'm glad I'm doing it because I appreciate it and I don't feel so entitled. Right. Well, we're yeah, more thankful. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I I hear that loud and clear. Is there an audio book? Not yet. Oh. I thought about it, but not yet. I got too much on my plate. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you you don't necessarily have to do it yourself. People have other people do it for them. But yeah, I, I hear that. You know, uh, did. Reading in itself uh, had, in my opinion, I thought was kind of taking a back seat, and, and not as many people were involved in reading because I see social media and people live for the short word counts and and tweets and and Facebook memes and that kind of stuff. But uh, what I'm hearing is that book sales are really healthy right now. A lot more people are reading than I thought, uh, which doesn't explain to me why audiobooks are so much so popular now because oh i know whoa tell me well because people don't have time to always sit and read so sometimes it's nice to have the the pad reading while you're doing whatever you need to do like let's just say oh i gotta clean the house but i have to be to work by four. Oh, put on the audiobook and you can listen to it as you like clean up <laughs> That has been my position, and I get shot down every time I say that. That you know, life is busy. Even in a pandemic, when people are locked down, they still find they're very busy and don't have time to sit and read a book. That's what I've been saying. But every author mm-hmm. I say that to, they say, "No, you don't. You don't understand. There, you know, more books were published this year, and more books were sold this year than any year previously. I mean, hardcover, uh, actual." print copy books as well as the the audio book so i'm not sure that that explanation really really works because i've been running that explanation for a long time and getting yeah. shot down <laughs> it's a two-sided story i mean i think because of technology and everything people allow the computer to do the work for them and read the book but there is another argument that there's something special about holding 
a book in your hands and flipping through the pages without a, a ray of light in your eyes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> So with the lock, with lockdowns and everything or closing the business, I don't want to call it necessarily lockdowns, but uh, where people taking precautions and certain businesses being closed, you missed out on or are missing out on uh, part of the author experience, which is the book signing and where you, you get to actually meet your fans in person. They come and uh, they tell you how much they love your work and they, they just th- throw lots of praise on you and you sign an autograph for them. Uh, it, it, has that crossed your mind that you're missing out on that? Mm, no, maybe it's because of my kind of life that I live. So I, I see things a little differently. Um, I don't think I'm missing out at all. I think those things will come in time, but I think it's still a bit early for my book to do like those big extravagant book signings and things like that. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Most, uh, you know, again, talking to a lot of authors, that's, and some of them hate it, by the way. Some of them hate that because a lot of authors are introverts by, by nature, right? That's why they become writers because it's easier to write than it is to talk sometimes. <laughs> but so a lot of them hate it. But I think it's a very big part of the experience of uh, authorship. Uh, and an exciting uh, an exciting part for most people, especially first time authors, they get out there and they get treated like a celebrity. People line up to, and people waiting oh. online to see you. No, 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 no. I don't <laughs> see it like that at all. I don't care how people think. I have my own thoughts. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not even about that. It's about it goes back to what are you doing this for? Right. Self-glory and fame, or is it for something bigger and something more important? And it's like I said, it doesn't matter if only one person reads this book or 2,000 people read this book. It's the fact that they're reading it and they're going to get something out of it. And it means I'm fulfilling my purpose in life and leaving that mark. Everything else will come into play, but it's just like you have to kind of, how do I say that? It's not, I haven't quite earned that mark yet, that milestone where I can go out and, and do a book signing. I, I don't think, not yet, but when the time does come, you know, it's, I don't know, I just don't, I don't see it that way. I understand exactly what you're coming, where you're coming from with that. And, uh, and part of me agrees with you, but part of me disagrees in that, um, yeah, I understand you put it out there for a bigger purpose and the w- work, doing the work is in, in itself a reward for, for what you, what you got into it. You're doing it and it, it's paying off as you're doing it. But at some point, and I, I treat music the same way in a lot of ways, but at some point the applause is reassuring and to just to know that people appreciate your work and, uh, um, and, and really value, find the value in it. That can be extremely rewarding, and it, and it can really boost your creativity a lot of times when when you find out that your your work actually means something to people, and they can tell you, look you in the eye, and say, "I really thank you for the work you did here. Uh, it touched me in a very strong way," and they can explain why. That does something to you, very positive to your heart. I've been in that position, so uh, oh, I have too. Yeah, I, so, I had it happen in ballet once. <laughs> oh, it was be- wonderful. Oh, so you you do ballet too? <laughs> I once a long a while ago once did ballet. Me too. It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, I'm just, my point is though, like let's just say the Nutcracker. You know, everybody wants to, to get that leading star role. And you know, when I first entered the Nutcracker many years ago, I started out as a bunny, and all I had was like ten seconds on stage, hopping around on a stick, and having to help the Nutcracker prince. Well, actually, the Nutcracker Prince saved me from the rat thing. But I'm just like, my point is, I had to keep working through it and, and work those parts and do those parts with the most sworn integrity. And then there came a point where I got to be the understudy of Clara, and it was at a time where there were these principal dancers from famous ballet houses that were performing that year, and I only got to be the understudy. And I used to go on that stage, the empty stage, and I would learn the part of, oh my goodness, my headphones died. Can you still hear me? I can hear you fine, yes. Oh, great. So <laughs> it was out of time, yeah. So 
I would, I didn't think I'd get to actually do Claire because one, there was never like dark skin ballerinas at that time doing that kind of thing. And I would just imagine the, the, the stage and the audience was full of people and I'm dancing the part, even though I didn't have a costume on or no props to work with or other dancers. And one day I, I got called and my ballet teacher, Mr. Franklin, saw that and he was teaching me the parts on the stage, even with the thought that I might not get to perform at all. And then at the time came, the, the dancer that was playing Clara, she got sick suddenly, and then I had to do the part. And it was really, really phenomenal. I'll never forget it. And at the end of it, like, there were flowers thrown on the stage, and the, the gift of an applause was the most beautiful gift. But that comes with blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of hard thinking work and showing up. Even when only for, even if it's for an empty theater, you still have to show up with your 100% A game. And you will be rewarded for that in time. So, yeah, it's just like that for any area of art, whether you're like a artist or a singer or an author or a doctor for crying out loud. You know, always show up with integrity and do the work. Okay, off. Holy great great attitude great uh words there and and the way you delivered it was uh very inspiring i i have to say that but <laughs> do you realize you do realize you're pretty atypical for for a young person in today's society yes <laughs> atypical? atypical meaning uh that attitude of i have to earn it I have to work hard and I have to have, I do it for a purpose. And uh, because most, it's very common. And I'm going to say most, most young people today just think they are, they are uh, entitled to that starring role right off the bat. I don't have to, you know, why, why should I work for it? I'm entitled to be, and they, the goal is not necessarily the work. The goal is the fame or fortune or anything that comes with it. Uh, so I think you're atypical in, in not having that attitude. <laughs> atypical and not having... Yeah, atypical is not the typical uh, young person who has that, that kind of idea of being entitled or, or actually embracing the idea that you need to work for something that's not a typical thing in today's society oh oh i see a typical means not typical <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know thank you okay, okay well I'm, I'm glad i i'm glad i could clear that up for you <laughs> <laughs> <He> did. <laughs> uh so so uh do you have any long long-term goals or do you work on basically you know one day at a time type goals I have a, a very, uh, I have a dream, oh. um, but it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I mean, so it's too big of a dream, but I don't care, it's, it's a dream, and I'm working towards it every day. I, 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 well, we talk a little bit about entitlement. I think every person is entitled to a dream uh, and, and having something they wanted to achieve. You're, that much we're entitled to. Now, getting there requires the work, but I think everybody's entitled to a dream. So you, you were a little blushing there about, uh, yeah, I have a dream. You don't have to feel bad about that at all. That, that's natural. That's part of the human process. You know, uh, It's part of who we are. Um, so I'm an old guy. I'm an, um, if you haven't guessed that already, I'm a very old man. Uh, I'm probably not going to live, uh, long enough to see the future that you write about anything. I, I, I got any predictions for the time span that I have left, which is probably about 20 years. What can I expect from the future? <laughs> technology wise. Um, oh, technology. Oh, that's a good question. Well, should I share something <laughs> or should I wait? I would say space travel was, will probably be a very cool thing and there'll be a really cool way to commonly just go to space. You know, so everybody's kind of like implying those things. Yeah. But more yeah. so the technology to do it, I think, is there. I dreams about it. Well, do you have any beliefs on that? Because you know, I'm I'm shocked by some of the after after conversations I've had with people. I had very straight laced uh, business people on here, and then uh, basically 
uh, asked him, um, you know, having a conversation off the air, and they they would mention things like uh, the government has technology that aliens brought brought us, and they're just holding back on using that stuff <laughs> for uh, space travel and stuff. Do you do you have any beliefs in in that along those lines that uh, there is a uh, space technology or the technology that is available within our government uh, comes from uh, mm, extraterrestrials? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, a lot of what we see in movies, if you see it in a movie, then it, it exists happening. It exists. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, well, that's a, that's a pretty big rabbit hole. <laughs> um, be, because, you know, and again, I do talk to even conspiracy theories on the show. And uh, I had, had a guy on probably a month ago who, who was telling me about the life on Mars that was uh, eradicated by a nuclear holocaust on Mars, 90,000. I think 90,000 years ago. Yeah, 90,000 years ago. Uh, but so, yeah, and all those kinds of things. But space travel has always, because I grew up in the era when, uh, you know, dating myself now, when the first moon missions were, were happening and the Apollo program and all that stuff. So space travel was a very appealing to me as a young man. Now, if I was offered the chance, I would. I don't think I would, I would go. I, would, I don't know if I would go. I mean... If you could live on Mars, oxygen would be very expensive. It'd be a bill every month. I don't know. Right. So when they talk <laughs> when they talk about things like colonizing Mars, that scares me. Like I wouldn't wanna leave my I home. Wouldn't do it. You wouldn't wanna do it. <laughs> no. But 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 you think it's a possibility that it, it in your lifetime at least it probably something like that might happen? It could very well. I mean it's, it's very possible. Would I recommend it? I think Earth is very nice. I like gravity. It's free. Air is free. <laughs> I, like gra- <laughs> I, I like gravity. I like gravity too. I, I've had people on on the program who did not believe gravity was real. Uh, back to the conspiracy theorists, people. I had flat Earth people. Uh, people that believe the, the Earth is flat, and they don't believe in gravity. Uh, gravity is a lie. The, the lie that the big they, uh, whoever they are, tells us. Don't ask me why. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of gravity when it comes to staying on the planet, though. But mm-hmm. um, so sci-fi, as you think, did you read a lot of, of sci-fi growing up? Um, I read a couple. I watched a couple. I also read my comic books. Comic books and video games. Well, see that uh, comic books I can relate to, but uh, I'm sure the comic books I read when I was young were very different from the comic books you you know today or even when you were a young girl. Uh, I read some old ones too. You know, I studied like the golden age of of cinema and old movies to the newest movies, and I also study, like, the earliest video games to the latest ones. Really? The earliest comic books to the latest comic books, so that's another thing, like, you know, like, old school art, too. I believe in, like, starting with a pencil and paper. You do your magic there, and then you combine technology with that, and voila. Wow, that's pretty cool stuff. I don't think anybody draws, um, very few people I see are drawing actually with pen and paper or pencil and paper anymore. Most of it happens on a tablet and a computer. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so um, with, uh, with that said, do you see yourself writing anything that's not sci-fi based in the future? Or, or is that I got not- a couple of non-sci-fi stuff. <laughs> I got a whole bunch of different types of things to write about beyond sci-fi, but sci-fi is my favorite. Not not romance, is it? Don't don't write romance. There's enough romance writers out there. Believe me, we don't need any more romance. I'll write straight up romance, but for me, when I write, it's got to be like, I write about life. Life has its romantic moments, its sad moments, its terrifying moments, its mysterious moments, its magical moments, so... 
when I do and write a story, I incorporate all of those elements of life. And it doesn't even have to be like romance between two people. It could be another kind of romance in the way of like friendship or families and other things. Huh. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's a, a good point. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll talk to a lot of authors and a lot of young women especially want to they write lots of romance stuff and uh it's a it's a, a genre that appeals only to women so people like me are always going to say no we have <laughs> we have enough romance books let's have a, some something more interesting uh how about nonfiction? do you have any uh, desire to ever kind of write anything that's nonfiction, like real world stuff oh yeah definitely Definitely. There's a couple of things I want to do. When you say you studied the golden era of films, how far back are we going? Do you talk, you like black and white movies? Yeah, I like some of them. Really? Yeah. I, I, my wife isn't that much. I mean, compared to you, she's she's old, but she's younger than I am, and she can't stand me watching black and white movies. She just doesn't get it. It's like, well, and it's I. Amazing. The way they shot things was so much simpler, and and sometimes you know, the close-up shots were only done at certain times. Like they never really did close-up shots. Only if you just look at the style of how they did it, and then the music wasn't well in the silent films. They obviously wrote on music, and and everything like that. But I don't know. It was just really fascinating, and they did. They could tell a story with such little effort and they still treated the audience like they're intelligent right and i'm just like wow that's amazing i feel like nowadays they kind of like tell you everything <laughs> right and, and what what made them work is still the same thing that makes movies and, and books and everything work it's that suspension of disbelief because even in modern mm -hmm. film if we if we get too analytical about it and and try to uh, analyze every frame and every shot and what they're doing while we're watching it. Uh, it can take a lot of the joy of the story out of it. And that's what it's. So the same element of suspension of disbelief is what made some of those really silly looking black and white movies believable and engageable at the time they were happening because you sit there and you, you let for some, we have that ability just to kind of forget about what, what that we know this can't be real, just get engaged with the story. And that's, that's a you know a very fascinating part of the human human condition for me is that we willfully can hang up our uh, reasoning and and just go along with the story. Um, so I still enjoy the story, even though I rip them apart. <laughs> them. Yeah, yeah, but I generally think the first time through, I want to not dissect them, and then if you want to go back and and watch it again, and from a analytical point of view, especially with film. Uh, that that seems to be a better way to do it. But now, if <laughs> if I watch films too many times, I really chop them apart and look for the mistakes in them and and all that kind of stuff, and look for things that are inconsistent. Oh, that couldn't be, just so I could point them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it it's been uh, quite a uh, interesting talk with you. As I mentioned, right, right from the start, your approach is different. And from a lot of people that I've talked to lately, uh, not that it's different from everybody, but more of most of the authors I talked to, first of all, either were very sure they were going to be an author when they grew up and, you know, had always planned to be, or they never planned to. And it happened as a, like a midlife crisis type of thing. You're kind of right, <laughs> right in the middle. You started writing, but didn't expect it to be a book and, and had so many other creative uh, energies that, that go along. So this is just something you did and, and took you 19 years to do. Uh, or, or does that 19 years include all four parts or is that just part one? <laughs> it's all four parts, including the larger story, which is Gordon's quest. Um, because I spent time um, developing that. So that's the largest story that encases this book, which is the prequel to it. Um, I did all the, the artwork, the animations and concept art, developings of all the, the worlds and the universe that these characters live in, and just a lot went into it. Right. <laughs> I was just like, you know, and like I said, when there wasn't a lot of opportunity for me, because, you know, I 
Can you hear me now? There you go. Yes, your mic was muted. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, I love technology. <laughs> right. Um, I forget what I was even asking you now when that so rudely happened. Um, so uh, where was I? Ta- what was I talking about when that happened? I don't remember now. Does anybody uh, remember? You were, you were asking me, I think. Okay, wait. It was about 19 years. Oh, and how I was telling you I did all like the artwork and developing right. um, my characters and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I I remember now what I wanted to ask you. So your your main protagonist, the 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 subject, the main character, is a male. So is that difficult to kind of? Because uh, almost always, almost exclusively, the hero, the protagonist, the the main character in the story is the same gender as the as the author. Almost exclusively, when when I, whenever I talk to authors, was that something difficult for you to kind of get into the mindset of how do I how do I think is a male? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> that's, that's interesting I, again you're very different from just about every other author I've had on the show with respect to all of it from when you knew you wanted to be an author to how it developed and how you how, how your path went and your approach to it is completely different than just about every other author I, I've had on so I, I celebrate in that I mean it's good to be different and good to be unique and have your own path uh, do you consider yourself a trailblazer? <laughs> I feel really like. Yeah, I'm gonna go my own way. I don't. I make up my own rules in life, and don't necessarily play by the rules other people set out for me. Oh yes, I'm a rule breaker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I appreciate that. Well, uh, the uh, URL again is the foretold story. It's available there. You want to hold up the book one more time so we, we oh, can. Yeah. And and look at this cover, folks. Uh, yeah, let me put it right there. Very cool design. Um, yeah, definitely. You know what? Um, when you were nine, I'm guessing, uh, and this is probably a, a guessing you're going to say, ah, it's kind of confidential too, but I'm guessing World Trade Towers was, was still part of that skyscraper landscape of New York City when you were nine years old or no? When I was nine? Oh, the Twin Towers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw the Twin Towers when I was nine. Yeah, because they're not part of that the the landscape of New York City as you – as you wrote that, so that's part of that. That has definitely changed, and uh, and because it is part, you know, it does take place in that skyscraper um, metropolis of New York City. So that's one way the book has changed from when it was first conceived till now, right? Yeah, I mean, I never really, like I said, as life happens, the story happened too in a lot of ways, and some parts again came into the came through the dreams and everything and the visions and then life's unusual encounters and then just all of those elements kind of just made the recipe during the pot. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that reminds me of a John Lennon quote, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Uh, and <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely I can, I can understand that. And uh, for a young person, 19 years is an eternity. For an old person, 19 years is a, a blink of an eye. Uh, so it, <laughs> it just comes out that way. I appreciate your time uh, here tonight, and I hope you uh, have a lot of success, and I hope people will check out the book and go to the website. It's theforetoldstory.com, folks. Uh, the link will be in the description. Katya, thank you for coming, and, and uh, I wish you great success in, in the future. And uh, uh, keep writing away. Keep plugging away. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Put Me in the Story. Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. 
They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by Vapor DNA. Founded in 2013, Vapor DNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code ORIONQ. Catch and read, folks. Uh, TheForetoldStory.com. Check out her book uh, and uh, all four of them, actually. That's a, you know, it's a good good thing to do. I think the, the next album I'm going to do is going to be a four-part album. <laughs> Just kidding, folks. I don't have that much uh, left inspiration and drive left in me anymore. Hope you enjoyed this program. Uh, thank you for coming. I hope you come back and tell your friends about it and go to my YouTube channel and subscribe and go to MindDogTV.com and get on my mailing list and questions and comments for me always uh, MindDog. Uh, info at minddogtv.com. Let's see who we have coming up tomorrow, folks. Uh, tomorrow, Reed Messerschmidt will be back with me uh, for the one o'clock program. Reed has a fictional podcast, uh, and uh, the exuberant uh, what, what was it? exuberant return of Reed. Messerschmitt, irrationallyexuberant.com. He will be with me. And then at 6 p.m., I will be live on the radio in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I forget the call letters. Uh, W-E-R-M in Dayton, Ohio. I will be on there at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow, uh, kind of trying out something new. And then at 8 p.m., an author, uh, Dick Haddock. Dick Haddock. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh at that name. <laughs> Dick Haddock will be with me at 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night. So until then, uh, join me uh, tomorrow at the one, for the 1 o'clock broadcast. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Duck TV Podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great night. Bye for now. Oh
Listen to your heart. 